A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-
And then Norbert, my boss now, owner of Allaire Home Springwater, reached out to me after, you know, learning, doing research on Allaire and then speaking with Norbert about his goals and my goals and how he likes to treat people and his views on the industry. It was a done deal. That's it. Done deal. How did you find him or or did Curtis, you reach out to him or? No, no. He headhunted me. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, so I found Curtis on Instagram, and actually, Curtis reached out to me on Instagram. He's, he true. walked by one of my sites in Innisfil. We were building a custom home for uh, uh, clients who own a dance studio. Um, reached out. He said, I love your site. Um, love to chat with you more about what you guys do. History was wrote. Curtis came in for a working interview. We uh, put up some concrete deco in the office space, and he worked till nine o'clock at night. And like uh, your typical boss, I left at four. <laughs> First day on the job, he knew what it was like. So. so the day of the interview, you got him working. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And that basically proof in the pudding. That's right. But I mean, you already had five, six years experience. Yeah. Of Plus being the experience from, and then I was. Yeah. I worked for a couple of contractors before that. Being self-employed was a crucial aspect to Curtis's skill set. He brings a lot of value to the table. We, we go through a lot of daily challenges with our clients and with our vendors, our trades. And you got to come full circle from the entrepreneurial background, not just from a skilled labor side. And that's what you're looking for, Norbert? Yeah. That's the idea? That's what you see? I know off mic before we got started, we, we kind of had a little bit of a rumbling about it's hard to find help. But yeah. I mean, everyone gets this question posed at them. Yeah, that's typically the type of project manager I'm trying to headhunt. An entrepreneur who's had a few years of experience in the industry, just hasn't quite reached their full potential and says, hey, listen, like, I'm looking for something comfortable, looking for a team to grow with whose values align with mine. Yeah, that's how Curtis fit in. So, Curtis, you're, you're young, right? How young are you? 26. Holy, he's a baby. Eh? How old are you, man? 34. Holy cow, eh? All right, listen, dad's talking now. Was it hard for you to kind of, because I just, from what I gather, your age group, you guys want to own your own biz, roll your own, you know what I mean, and just get it going, build your brand, do all that stuff. Was it hard for you to say, you know what, I'm going to go work for this guy. This guy seems really cool. I like where he's headed. It wasn't hard. I can't say it was hard. It was a mindset change that I had built up my brand and my business and my relationships and I wanted to take it to the next level. And knowing that I could bring that experience, I could bring those contacts and relationships and my personal values into a lair and just keep building it from there, just not under my own business name. You know, still all the fun parts about being self-employed, just not you know, my ego is still just as big as it was when I was self-employed. <laughs> it's just not my own business name anymore. Yeah. You enjoy being part of the team? That was the biggest aspect for me. Before, I was mostly a one-man show, and I hired in trades and helped me out. It has been such a great pleasure being a part of an incredible team. Of The biggest pull for me to join Allaire was a bunch of like-minded people just wanting to be good people, work with good people, and treat them respectfully and be a professional about it, but have fun. How can you say no to that? No, you can't, that's really smart. Yeah, we definitely like to have fun. One of the um, ways I approached Curtis was, how would you like to build your business inside of my business? That's a great be question. Be a part of the team. We have yeah. full support from Allaire, weekly calls, mentorship. We have a thousand really smart people, a part of Allaire, 
that are building this business, moving the needle in, in the industry. I want to get into a lot of the allure, but not just quite yet. I, I'm curious, can you divulge how you answered that question? It was so easy because I could see like, instead of me physically doing the work every single day, I could focus on the parts that I really enjoyed, which was meeting new people, building a community of, I keep saying like-minded people, but really that's what it is. Good people in trades, they own their own businesses. We all come together. We got a common goal to get the project done, but do it well and enjoy it while we do it. To me, that was the most enjoyable and most important parts of being self-employed but it's bigger than that. It's just about being in the industry. I don't care if I own my own business or not. It's not about that. It's about enjoying who we work with. You're still leaving your mark being a, a team member of this company. 100%. Norbert, how did, you, you've you been at it for four years? With Alaire for four for years. Alaire, but yeah. where are you coming from before that? <laughs> so where do I begin? So I started in the drywall industry since I was 13 years old. With so my you're a rocker. Man. You're a rocker. Were well, you plastering? Plaster, taper. Taper. Yeah. Okay. So taping with my dad summers, weekends, since I was about 13 years old. I still remember bringing the uh, skateboard to the job site <laughs> and uh, I would coat the bottom screws from my dad and he'd be like, leave the house. I don't want you bothering me anymore. Uh, but wait, you know, wait, wait. On the board? You would on just... The, on... <laughs> that would have been smart. That would have been smart, uh, eh? Going on the board and just right. doing all the bottom ones, man. That would have been slick. My dad was Hungarian. He was strict. There was none of that funny business in the houses. You know? No, it was all business. All, it was all business. Straight business still is for my dad right um but yeah so summers worked for free uh, <laughs> of course there's no such thing as child labor no 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 <laughs> um and then <laughs> when i was 18 started my own business uh joined the union started kept taping uh met a great guy by the name of alfonso at Foremont drywall and he gave me the opportunity mind you he worked me seven days a week uh, which it was, was great. crazy busy, huh? Crazy. It still is. How long ago are we talking about now? When I was about 18. So that was 14 years ago. Okay. Roughly. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, my math's off. But. All right. So yeah, I was about 18 when I started in the union. I knew there was something bigger out there for me. So I saw what Foremont was doing. They were insulating, drywalling, taping, summing it all out. And I started my small drywall business getting clients for insulation, drywall, all those aspects of the interior finishing. And I ran with it. Did it, Alonzo, did he embrace you going on your own? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He still does. Yeah. Actually, um, an insulator reached out to me about a month ago and he said, Alfonso talks nothing but highly of you nice, and the nice. success in your life. Sorry, I called him Alonzo, Alfonso. Alfonso I, my yeah. apologies, man, <laughs> if he's listening. So that's great. So that got you to your taping. But then how did you get to Alaire at that point? Alaire reached out to me. They had a few subdivisions on the go, the Aurelia office, Barry office, Collingwood, uh, Georgian Bay as well. And I own my own, of course, drywall company at the time. And they subbed it out to me. A I little met, test, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I take comments to heart. And one of the owners, I was speaking to one of the Alaire owners at the time. I was just a, just a glimpse in Alaire's eyes at the time. But one of the owners said, this guy would be a good owner. And it made me really think for the years to come. So anyways, throughout my 20s, I built up a good portfolio of real estate investments and I retired the drywall company by the time I hit 30. And I said, what the hell am I gonna do with my life now? <laughs> Looked at multiple different franchises, got my real estate license and 
one day one of my buddies said to me, a business mentor, he said, you know, what kind of franchise you're looking for? And I said, I'm looking at like Pizzaville or Domino's. He's like, what the hell do you know about food? He's <laughs> like, you've been in the construction industry. <laughs> and funny enough, Joel from Alaire uh, Homes, he reached out to me and he said, hey, we've got this window of opportunity for a franchise. Stars aligned. It was an opportunity I knew I had to take. This young franchise, very innovative, a very collaborative company that I knew I could grow with. And that was four years ago. That was four years ago. Yeah. And then how many Allaire franchises are there across Canada? Would you guys know that across Canada? So in total, so there's about 13 states, five provinces, somewhere in and around 120, 115, 120 franchises. Across North America. Across North right. America. Yeah. And it started when? How long ago did it start? It's, so it started with a construction company by Blair McDaniel in okay. 2007. Blair McDaniel had a, a construction company in Nanaimo, BC. He opened up a pilot office in Victoria. Now, his Nanaimo business was creating raving fans, and his Victoria office, clients weren't dissatisfied, but it wasn't at the level that he anticipated. One day, he had a friend reach out to him from Edmonton. His name's Jamie Affleck. And he said, hey, listen, he's like, construction industry is booming over here. He's like, would you want to open another office? And Blair said, listen, I got my hands full with Nanaimo. I got my hands full with this pilot office. He's like, I can't do it. So they sat down and they said, how are we going to make this work? The industry is booming. They consolidated their businesses. They said, why reinvent the wheel? We've got the processes, the structures, let's combine them. And uh, they consolidated their offices and that's when the franchise was born. 2012 was when they started franchising. Across North or just Canada? Uh, Canada. In Canada. Yeah. So you guys want to walk us through the whole Allaire environment, how it all works. I'm sure like I'll be interested in joining by the end of this thing, but... We have a couple openings if you want. <laughs> Where about? Paperwork. We're, there's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> no, no, I'll print it off right now. Oh, that's nice, man. All right, cool. So, so how does okay? Why? What? What makes Allaire different? What makes it better? I, I know a little bit about it, but I want you guys to share it with everybody. So, what I really liked about Allaire was I didn't have being self-employed i didn't have any process it was like show up meet the client send them a quote get the job do the we job. make it up as we go i was really good at that yeah it or not. You <laughs> you're it. not Fake the only you one it. you're not the only one <laughs> yeah no and then so after i did some research into lair and what i really like is i'll take you through sort of the sales process okay. so we go you know you get the lead you follow up with them and then we qualify them we ask them a few questions we're not too robotic about it but if we think it's going to be a good fit for them, they'll be a good fit for us. Then we'll go, we'll meet the client, look at their project, and then we put together, it's a budget range. That one hour meeting, there's no possible way that they can tell us every single detail, every single material that they want to use. So how on earth are we going to put together an exact number? So what we do is we put together a budget range, and then it could be like $50,000 to $150,000 but hitting on the point that it's in the client's control. We do full project planning. We sign a contract, then we get like, let's say it's an addition. We get drawings done and then we go from there. We take every detail of the project from demolition to foundation to the final details of finishing. Every single thing's planned, every material is picked, every contractor, subcontractor in trade, 
They've all quoted the project for each one of their scopes that we write up for them. Everything's detailed, everything's tracked. We have what's called the client control software. We give access to that to the clients. There they see their budget and their schedule and photos of their project. But in planning, we'll upload vendor pricing and we'll upload the contractor's quote, so like, like the towel guy, the painter, the plumber, all of that. And we'll upload it. They look through it. They approve it with our advice and our guidance. And then there you go. At the end of project planning, you know exactly what the project looks like. You know how long it's going to take and how much it's going to cost. It's construction. So there's contingencies built in. We know that things come up. But then they have a very good, accurate representation of what their project looks like. You can make changes throughout project planning. It's a lot harder to make those changes and figure out and make decisions when we're halfway through construction. For sure. So from there, then we move next. So most of the leads come and they are expecting you guys to handle everything or they come and they bring a designer and an architect with them. It can be. That's an option. Um, absolutely. A little right. bit of both. And you guys are doing additions and also full builds. You're never doing just simple rentals. You're not going in and doing a bathroom rental. Or are you? I'm not yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, you yeah. are. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sometimes clients, they already have their architecture drawings done. Some of them, they're like, we're ready to submit for a permit. And some are like, we have no idea what we're doing. Please help. And so we will take that and we'll nurture them and we'll help them and we'll guide them to get the success. But the very important part of this is trying to understand their goals, their why. Why do you guys want to do it? Where do you want this project to go? What do you want it to look like? And then we can really dive deep into their goals and then actually help them. Some people, they have all the money in the world. Some they're like, they've got a pretty tight budget, but we're like, we really want to do it for you. So we're going to help you. And we know ways to get what you guys want, hopefully for how much you want to spend. So a lot of clients keep their cards close to their chest, right? And they're always a little reserved about going through this whole process, I guess, because they've asked all their friends and their siblings and watched all the TV shows and done all the Google searches. How do you guys get those little moments where the light bulb goes off and they're actually trusting you even further? Like, what are the little things? I can see the the, the client control software being a big light bulb there. Mm. Okay, this is easy, man. This is great. You guys are laying this all out. This is amazing that you're lining all the, the right ducks and then we're making it easy. What other things for moments when you're talking to the clients that you see them going, we trust you guys more, we trust you guys more, we trust you guys more? Yeah. For me, it's about just asking the right questions or more questions just to pull it out of them. What do you think, Norbert? Yeah, I think it all comes down to fully disclosing everything to the client. Communication, expectations, and full disclosure. We thrive on transparency throughout the whole process. I think the concept is why are we making the most important decisions in construction when they really should be made through planning? Oh, for sure, 100%. But like you guys said, there's always the curveball. Like always. There's, clients are always changing. I found this. I saw that. I got a better deal here. I know that you guys bring the vendors and the suppliers into the game and everything like that. But what if clients start finding... I've had this before. I've had clients, oh, I found something on Wayfair. Uh, you know, it's like about half the price, but I don't know if all the parts are going to show up. Awesome. No problem. I'll order it <laughs> and I'll give you my discount because that's how yeah. we work. So you guys will do it that way. Absolutely. You'll handle it. So give yeah. me the SKU, give me the number, whatever. I'll order the item. Absolutely. I take care of the responsibility. Yeah. And we give our clients, we pass those savings to our clients. It's a bonus of building the relationships. In the transparency, we hit hard on that. Like 
we have nothing to hide. There's no cost that we hide. There's no markup that we hide. Nothing like that. So yeah, I mean, when they throw us throw us a curveball, yeah, we still love a good curveball. Just because we haven't planned for it doesn't mean we're a deer in headlines. Oh, we don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, for here. sure. Like, yeah, we take it. We plan it out. We do whatever it takes to figure out what the implications of that curveball are and then bring the information to the client. And they're like, yeah, we do it or no, we don't. You do get clients that champagne dreams. Every day? Every day. Yeah. So how do you guys handle those? I mean, you got... Okay, let's say just for argument's sake, you're doing a full new build, million dollars, and all of a sudden selections for finishing are coming in at 1.5 million. So, I mean, I guess at the very beginning, you as an operations manager, you start reeling them back in saying, this is 1.5, but this is 1 million. So we need to start looking at all these $1 million items. Is that what happens generally? Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, I would say within the last year, we've had to really dig down and find new ways to be more efficient Everyone wants that Instagram project, right? Everyone, it's not even magazine project anymore. It's Instagram project. They want it to look fancy, but now with things costing so much, we've had to work really hard to get that and make it work within their budget. It's been a pile of fun and a good challenge at that. So you get a lot of clients who come out and back in my day, they used to call them tears, right? So you get the magazines, you tear out the sheets out of the magazines and go, this is what my house is going to look like, make it happen. But now you're getting all these thumbnails yeah. or whatever from instagram house pinterest everything and yeah. they're asking you to build that at that point yeah so when we using your example if their budget's a million and they're at 1.5 we just say okay here's some ways that you can save money maybe we peel back here you don't get the super fancy kitchen cabinetry you know we dial it back a little bit change up the materials and hope that we still get the same look usually we have good success with that it's just made us work harder to figure out better ways more efficient ways of doing what's best for our clients yeah and this expectation should have been already met in the feasibility stage so allison she's director of sales and marketing for our franchise and um, she asks the right questions and she'll know whether or not the budget is feasible or not the project is feasible or not through her own examinations we essentially we don't want to set our, our clients for failure we won't move them into a planning agreement until we know this project is feasible and on top of that, we'll suggest, hey, listen, go talk to other builders, go educate yourself. So there's a bunch of stages. So even before an agreement is signed between you guys and a client, you guys are basically just educating them at that point. We consider ourselves as trusted advisors. So we want to go out, do a little bit of due diligence for the client, ensure it's feasible. This is the feasibility stage. And then before moving into planning, we ensure that the client's comfortable with planning. It's a journey. We go on with our clients. It's, it's, it's a long journey. We get to know our clients. But from A to B, we bring our client's project full circle to success. And with COVID and everything, you guys been seeing the delays or has it just been rolling around the same way that everybody else has been tackling with inspections? And mm. that's been a little bit of a circus show. Yeah, delays left, right, and center. Yeah, well, I mean, material delays, inspection delays, approval delays, all kinds of stuff like that, which is, yeah. I guess, again, transparency with the client. You just keep them in the loop regarding all these delays. Yeah, that, and it's been, we're educating new clients, potential clients, existing clients, just as much as we're educating ourselves. It's the new, we've had to adapt to the new norm. Yeah, delays in materials, that's been a big one. And luckily, we've been able to, in planning be like okay so we know we need flooring in three months from now but we know it takes two and a half months to get it so okay we're going to order it a little bit early and then it's just like re-educating adapting and instead of crying about it 
just like, okay, this is what it is. This is what we have to do. We're going to do it. I recently had a builder from the Cambridge area, uh, Matt Feeney there, and he he did like he's done, done 25 homes this year. He locked them in at a certain point. Obviously, he locked them in, and that's the agreement that they made with the client, and then so he's got to honor that. But he was losing because of the higher lumber prices. You know what I mean? And he was hoping that it would drop down because it depends on what he locks in. Same scenario for you guys where you guys are, once you get to the agreement stage. So that's why fixed price is a little tricky where we're more of a cost plus with the transparency, which we call client control. So again, Curtis sets the expectation with the client. Listen, we've got a quote. It's here transparently for you to review. However, we've been told by the supplier three months from now that the price is going to go up a about about 40%. It all comes down to communication. And we had an amazing call today. So every Wednesday, the whole Allaire family comes together on a call. We call it the All Partner Mastermind. They talked about communication, how relevant it is, especially today. Truth be told, my heart goes out to anyone that's locked in a price as yeah. far that had anything to do with lumber in the last six months. Not good now because the prices it's went back up. dropped down. relatively, yeah. yeah. Not to where it was before, but... Yeah, how we do things, you know, you get the pricing and then that's relevant for that time. And when we move into construction, you know what? It's been a blessing for one of our projects right now. It's a new build. We got the lumber package price when prices were crazy. Now we're in construction. We bought the lumber much lower. Flip side. Yeah. So the client benefits that way. But I mean, if it sure hope so. Yeah. If it jumps up again, then they're going to start to. Pull back, I guess, on some of the finishing, but that's just the nature of the beast that's been going on right now with the industry. So, I mean, with the clients that you guys are dealing with, I mean, you guys got a better sense. How many homes are you guys pulling off? Between two and three a year. Okay. All right. So very, very custom at that point. Very custom. What's everybody asking for these days? Because I keep meeting clients that are doing those million dollar homes, talking to them. And it's kind of ironic that they present the Instagram house and pictures to us to build these homes. And then that's what they want. And then they never use it. Like they don't use it. And it frustrates me because a house that's built should get used. It should get lived in. It should, you should cook in the kitchen. You should use the bathroom. Is that what's going on with you guys? Or are they people that, no, we'll keep the styrofoam on for a little bit longer and not damage anything because it just looks beautiful. I would say a little bit of both. Right in the early stages of meeting them, that's why we dive so heavily into their goals and why they want to do it. If their goals is like, we just want this so that our friends think we have a nice place. <laughs> and they're like, 99.9% eh. of the market. There is exactly. a status alignment. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. You know what? There's a lot of pleasure in knowing that completed projects that the clients use them, as we call them. Like by the time we're done construction, we're part of the family, right? Yeah. It's really nice to know that they're using it. It's a great feeling. And there's a lot of pride in that. I would say like, since I've been on, I don't think there's been a project where they haven't really used it because it's so custom. It's so individual, so personalized. And how can you not use that? Yeah. And in our market, we, our niche is more revolve around renovations, kitchen renovations, basements. We work with a lot of investors as well. It's more individualized, like Curtis said. It's the fun of it. Yeah. No two days, no two projects are the same. No two clients. No, I have yet to meet the two clients of exactly <laughs> the same, man. Well, I mean, there's almost, what is it, 8 billion people on this planet? Like, they're, they're all unique and different, right? So it's just, it's going to be interesting to, yeah. it's always interesting to go into someone's 
family life and they bring you in as a stranger but then you leave as a member of the family right it's always an interesting kind of dynamic that way yeah. and then they trust you 100% because of what you delivered what you gave them and then they start picturing the memories from there right totally and yeah. we hope that we can when we meet them that they can see and feel that they can trust us because we're bringing random strangers into their house for an extended period of time and we hope that their experience with that is a positive one. That's why relationships, it doesn't just involve the client. It doesn't just involve the people in our office. It's the people that are in their houses doing the work. I don't want anyone on any of our sites that I wouldn't want in my house working when my wife is at home and I'm not there. It's huge. I'm, I'm assuming since it starts off with the, the prerequisite, or what did you call it again? Um, the feasibility. Fe- okay, feasibility. So you get you get to know where they're starting. And then I'm assuming that once construction starts, there's a bunch of other stages that takes us right to the very end where you guys do the final walkthrough. Do you guys want to walk us through that process? With that, the software they get to see. So in planning, what we do is we build that schedule from the start to the finish. And then as we go, it gets selected as complete. And so it's a visual that you can see from the very start to the very end. So these are the stages. We kind of set them up as you know, here's your demolition if we're doing a renovation. And then that brings us to drywall or framing and then drywall and so on and so forth. So they get to see a visual of the stages and then compare it to on-site. The clients, if they're living at home or not, we still bring them in. We still walk them through. We want them to see it. So there's not like, I wouldn't say there's definitive moments of stages in construction. It's just milestones, I guess we call them. Like, sweet, framing's done. We got it all closed up and drywall's on. Come take a look things like that and like okay flooring's done trim's done and then it's just like milestones like that that gets the client not gets them but maintains their excitement you know you gotta look get to the to finish line to. yeah, yeah, yeah. but enjoy sure. the process in the meantime but they can log in anytime and then see where the progress is is happening absolutely and, okay and then you guys are trying to be very generous with the time allowed it for it for anything yeah just in case and then i guess with the new norm we got to add a little bit of extra time, right? Just because we don't know, maybe there's some unforeseen stuff that we're not sure, but we might as well give ourselves an extra day or two or something. So then they're not looking at you guys trying to catch up all the time. Yeah. A lot of buffers and truth be told, sometimes we're still getting used to the new norm. Sometimes we'll schedule them in. We're like, no, shoot, we should have given them a little more time, (laughs) but, but that's the learning process. That's that's, construction. yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So they see, things marked off as complete if they didn't go to their house that day they see pictures online too i mean a client can live in florida or somewhere in europe we can be completing their project and they're along with us every step of the way do you guys get involved with 3d renderings or anything like that or is that really up to the architect side or designer side designer side but we work with a couple different designers that do the 3d renderings but that mostly revolves around just kitchens and bathrooms not even the whole layout of the house i mean i'm always we can look at drawings and we know because we've been in sawdust how wide that hallway is how this opening is going to work out how is the transition going to be we know that because we've walked down those scenarios before but clients generally don't it's the first time they're doing it other than if they're going to real estate shopping and they walk into a house then they get a better idea so i just i'm really surprised that they're more interested in just looking at the kitchen and the bathrooms instead of the actual layout of entering the front door, entering the side door, entering the garage door, walking through your house with the groceries, learning a, basically the lay of the land. For our the current build that we're working on right now, 
it would have been awesome to see that a walk taking them for a walk through their project if the client requests it then we'll do it no problem but we just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet and i would love to because like you said we can look at drawings and be like yeah okay this is gonna be awesome and sometimes the client just kind of hope and trust that yeah to curtis's point it's client by client basis right so two years ago we did a full exterior redesign for a client she just couldn't picture it so we hired a designer who focuses strictly on 3d designs and that helped her absolutely she totally visualized it we got the maybach shaker roof yeah everything all the lines everything was visual for her so you guys have set vendors that you work with all the time or are you guys open to having as many vendors uh, how does it work? I don't know exactly how it works. Between the Allaire family, we have quite the generous pool, especially within Simcoe County and the Toronto region. With Toronto, we don't share as much, but in Simcoe County, we absolutely have to lean on each other for support, especially during these times. But we do have a Rolodex of a few trades we like to present to the clients up front. We have preferred ones. Yes. We are definitely open to other vendors and trades it's a continuous, like as we grow, as we retain more projects, you know, we have to be able to facilitate them. Like I said earlier, building relationships and meeting new people, it's the best part, one of the best parts. And so we're definitely happy and more than willing to work with new people. Are you guys seeing an increase of the younger generation getting into the industry? Or are they all looking for TikTok fame? <laughs> <laughs> I say this that. This is why I don't identify with my current generation. <laughs> I get the sense that you don't. That's what I mean. But I was part of my question where it's like I'm always curious about circle of friends of, of someone that's a millennial because what are they doing? What's everybody else doing, right? I know that we're all on social. Are gone are the days of hardworking individuals? Is that what's going on right now? People say the new norm, and I when I hear the new norm, I hear Wally. You know what I mean? And I wasn't even a fan of that movie just because of the message undertones of it, right? Where are the hardworking? I meet them all the time when I'm speaking to them on my job sites or other people and I visit. I'd like to see more hardworking individuals. It's a daily battle and a daily conversation for us. Yeah, It's tough. Like I grew up in a family that was very hardworking. All they knew is hard work. That's how I was raised. But I feel like we're slowly and maybe even quickly drifting away from that. It's tough. Almost every trade that we work with, they're looking to hire somebody. And they've tried out yeah. 20, 30, 40, 50 different individuals, and they're just like, oh. But you guys know, like that feeling of passion fulfilled satisfaction when you actually frame something and it just like the crew it's a symphony it just looks magical you could pick it either it be a, a sunny summer day or it could be a beautiful blue sky winter day brisk but you've got the crew and they're all working in unison and you're framing this house and it's beautiful you can't teach that to anybody they have to be there they have to actually get on site to experience that totally it, totally. it, it's the uh, gratification at the end of the day. Like, yeah. I, you know, I was in industry, worked seven days a week, and I loved it. I'd come home and, you know, I feel gratified. It's definitely slim pickings out there. It's tough. I'm not trying to knock the TikTokers out there or the, the office people out there. I just don't see them getting the same satisfaction of hitting an enter button and sitting back going, ah, that feels amazing. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, I yeah. don't like versus. I've gotten chills from being on a job site from a wall being raised. I've gotten chills from concrete being poured. I've gotten chill. I don't get excited just about the finishing part. The finishing part for me sometimes is already in my head. I've already visualized it. I've already seen it. Totally. I get excited about the bones of the house, about those trades that take that much more pride in knowing I have to do this better. So then when it gets to the finishing, I don't have a tile setter who's got a six foot level and it's out of plumb by an eighth of an inch and he's frustrated or she's frustrated. I want to make sure that this stud is plumb because I know the shower glass wall is going here. I feel like it's a tough thing to teach. I mean, my dad hammered into, I got two older brothers. He hammered into us like when we worked with him, maybe I was four years old even, but he really taught us. He didn't even have to hammer it in. He really taught us like here at the end of the day, take a step back and look at what yeah. your hands did. Yeah. You can't do that when you're, you know, putting together a filter on your Instagram or something <laughs> like that. Like, Ooh, look what my thumbs did. Like you don't get that. There's so much pride. And like you said, there's so much gratification, but how can you explain that to someone who's never experienced? They it have before? to experience it. They, and that's, I'm hoping that they get the chance to do it by standing beside other ones that have experienced it or giving you the opportunity to experience it. Yeah. That's why I've always said that if you're on a job site for the very first time, you got eight hours, you got nine hours, ask, ask as many questions as you want. Watch, pay attention to how the seasoned pros or somebody who's even starting out, maybe that person who's just starting out came up with a new trick that the older guys didn't figure out. That's what we want. We want more guys and girls to do that stuff. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, it wasn't that long ago that I was in high school, but even then it was like, if you went into the trades you didn't finish high school it was that kind of idea around trades but it is so not that anymore it's not like this is it's a profession it's you can make such a good life out of it and if you want to and you can just you know drag your butt around the job site if you want and do that for 30 years but you can make a really good life and you can meet really good people what is not to like about going to trade so what you get a sliver every once in a while. So what you have to work hard. <laughs> I got one today, man. I got exactly. one today. It's bugging the hell out of me. I got one today sitting <laughs> at my desk. <laughs> it, it's just a tough thing. Like, how do you explain that to someone and get them excited about going into the trades without like getting them out there? They got it. They have to be brought up in the trades like we were, right? skateboarding doing the bottom screws i don't know right? I, I think that there's a lot of kids out there that I'm, I'm i've met them i met a few of them who don't have a dad who don't have an uncle that were in the trades who don't they just saw it from a distance and they just were i guess enamored by it and they just you know what, let me give it a try and then they they made it their own which is really it's rare but normally you follow the footsteps Someone's in the family or a friend or whatever, and then you get into construction that way. I want to see more of the younger generation seeing. I want them to see more than just a building. I want them to see the opportunities. That's what I want them to see. I want them to understand. I mean, we joke about it all the time. Sure, go to school, go to university, rack up a six-figure debt, get out of school and not have a job or get a job. And it pays you five figures. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you got to take care of that. But then you got a certain lifestyle or get into trades and you're already making the five figures. First year, second year, third year, you're getting closer to the six figures. All of a sudden by five years, you're already at six figures, man. Then you start building your business from there. That's that's the truth. That's the truth of construction. And that's what our parents try teaching us, right? My parents came over as refugees in the 80s and they always said, get a good job. You're the one that's going to break the chain. And 
I then left. he became a drywaller. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I left my house when I was 17, barely graduated and started my own business in the trades. It's the only thing I knew, but it got me here. I shouldn't bash my own generation that much. There are, I'll do it. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> There's quite a few trades that we work with that some of their skilled laborers are young. They're in my same generation. And just like the HVAC company that we use, they sent two young guys out to my build to outfit this whole house. And man, those guys did an incredible job. I don't have enough good things to say about them. And it was so nice to see. So they knew, like, they knew their stuff. They knew their stuff and they were passionate about it. I'm used to being the youngest one on site by far. So there is like, I kind of made it sound like there's no hope for young people in trades. No, it's not the truth. No, no, I totally agree with you. It's not the truth, man. They're out there. We just need to make it more attractive, I think. And we, you know what? We align better with those trades as well. Like our insulation and drywall company, young guy, 29 years old, JM Insulation. He's fantastic. And he's out there. You know, it reminds me of myself uh, when I was in my 20s working hard, just looking for that opportunity, right? Give him the opportunity and they're there swinging hammers, working hard for you. So with Alaire, what else do they do? Like I'm, I'm assuming that they've got certain attire i guess they got uh, their kind of prerequisites yeah. or something i don't know i'm just assuming me on my site just don't wear track pants that's all i ask man <laughs> leave the track pants for something else right but not for the job site so the most common attire you'll see is something like what curtis is wearing a long sleeve shirt with an alaire logo we do have brand guidelines and it's it's that's uh, what i was getting at yeah <laughs> we have golf shirts with the alaire logo the hats our trucks are wrapped with the alaire logo and we do have to follow these brand guidelines. It's like you go to a McDonald's, you expect the exact same Big Mac every time. You expect the, the um, person behind the counter wearing the exact same shirt with the same logo, same color, the golden arches. It's very similar. Except for we're more like the keg than McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, bad example, but... You get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, totally. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's good because they want their job sites to all look the same. They That's want right. the clients to understand that when they're getting on their job site. That's right. So the goal is one vision, one brand, one team. Do you guys want to share any numbers that are associated with that? Or how, if they, anybody wants to get in contact or reach, or will they reach you or will they reach somebody else? Yeah, if anyone's interested in a franchise, being a franchisee, uh, just visit discoverlair.com and all the information is there. Okay. Other owners, testimonials, experiences, why uh, construction companies converted into franchise owners, um, business owners. And the major cliche here is most of these contractors were too busy working inside of their business when really they should have been working on their business. It's true. That's, that's always a problem for everybody that's running their business. There's so much more to do outside of just actually swinging the hammer. To be honest, a layer's given me a second life. It gives us that opportunity with process, structure, accountability, just the simple values that trickle down to our small family-run franchise gave me the opportunity to leave with my family for three months while the business operated on its own. That's a great feeling, isn't yeah. it? amazing so sorry what was that website again discover a lair discover okay and then yours is uh a lair springwater.ca right yes and then to reach you is norbert dot you got to pronounce it again langell langell and that's l-e-n-g-y-e-l yes uh, at a and then curtis's yours is curtis dot stein s-t-e-i-n at a and then facebook is a lair springwater and then uh instagram is a lair dot homes dot springwater that's right 
I love you it, man. It. It's good. It's great. I saw the slick Ford out there. Are they all Fords? No. They should no. be. <laughs> he's, he's been bugging me for a truck for a while, so... They should be. <laughs> it's 2021, almost 2022. There's Everything changes so rapidly, and... For us, it's so important to, and not just us, for everyone in the industry, it's like, it's a full-time job trying to keep up to date and keep ourselves educated so that we can best serve our clients and our trades and just to stay on top of things with timelines, with products, new products, old products that, you know, don't do the trick anymore. It's a full-time job and just being current, that's, it's a blessing and a curse. It keeps the wheels spinning. It keeps our minds sharp. We got to work for it. Yeah, and at the same time, living your best life. You've got a family. We've all got young families, and we want to ensure that we're living our best lives, and so are our trades and our clients. It's true, because you get a lot of guys that they'll come into the business like yourself, Curtis, where you're in your 20s, you're young, but you also started your business too, Norbert, in your 20s, and you're consumed by it. And we, and we joke, okay, we bring back the golden arches. There's days that that guy, that girl is making more money than us based on the amount of hours that we're committed to our client, to the job site, to the work, everything. It shouldn't be that way. It's more of a balancing act. Yeah, if I learned anything in the past 13 years, it was fire yourself from the business. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, you know, back to If you can't find the problem, you're the problem is basically what you're saying? I project manage, I've developed the business, I've done sales, I wore all the hats, and I've realized that I'm not good at any of it. There's always someone out there better than me that could help improve the business. And that's why I brought Curtis on. He is a much better ops manager than I could ever be. He's much better project manager. This guy, any job site, he can diffuse any negative situation. (laughs) They call him cool as a cucumber. That's what I got in a review from a client. They're like, this guy is way too cool like a cucumber. And it's true. A couple of years in security working at a hospital will do that to you. <laughs> That'll <laughs> yeah. give you the training for it. And there's nothing that compares to that in construction. There comes a time in our lives, and I'm 34, but I'm already looking at the exit strategy, and that's where Alaire really comes in, is, is my business saleable? And that is dictated by how much input I have in the business. But that's eventually the plan. I've, I've told everybody that's in construction that you should not look at your business as if okay, if you don't have any kids or any siblings or whatever that it's done after me, it shouldn't be that way. You should build it to a level that somebody else might come in long and I want to take it over. It's a lot easier with a lair if you do that because if you establish yourself. Absolutely. With the brand, the support, the process, and we're doing EOS now. Uh, there's a fantastic book out there I'll recommend, Traction by Gino Wickman. <clears throat> We've been diving into the content for about a year now change the face of my business it did it absolutely putting the right people in the right seat on the bus cliche again but it allowed me to leave my business behind for three months and live the life i've always wanted to live with my family this is construction guys like you're dealing with i mean without offending everybody we all need neanderthals right like it's hard for us to be told you need to let other people to handle certain parts of your business. A lot of guys that are starting their own businesses and they're the one-man shop kind of thing, they're doing all the paperwork at the end of the month, if they get to the month, right? They're doing all the paperwork at the end of the year. For you to go there and tell them, listen, 
get out of the business or bring somebody in the business to help you with this. That's a, that's a big challenge. I had a good conversation with one of my buddies from up north. He's a custom home builder. And I said, you know, what's more important? Seven days a week, client dissatisfaction or spending time with your family, just living your life to the fullest. And he said, living my life to the fullest. That's why I work so hard. You need to get the right people in the right seat on the bus. Got to get a sales manager. You got to get an ops manager, HR pull yourself up into that visionary status work on the overall vision of the business thousand percent agree with you man honestly it's just challenging to tell these individuals to do that they look at it like that's going to be more money out of my pocket into this will it really return on investment they need to look at the business as an investment you know i came in with the mindset as a passive business again back to the story where i was looking for an investment not another job. The pizza place. The pizza place, <laughs> which I probably would have been slinging pizzas because the first two years with Alaire, I was wearing all the hats. I had to. I had no choice. I had to learn all the ropes before I could elevate, delegate to the project managers or, or anyone else for that matter. It was a struggle the first two years. We went through some ups, downs. By the third, fourth year, we broke through that plateau and all it took was an identity shift. I am not a project manager. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a franchise owner. I own a business. This is an investment. So it's a mindset shift. I came from the drywall industry. It took a lot of struggles, counseling, more a business coach, but I call her my counselor. <laughs> um, but she shifted my identity. And once I shifted my identity, I knew who I was, who I wanted to be, set those goals, kept reaching for those goals. And, you know, we, I created a timeline and started working back from there. Where do I want to be 10 years from now? And that's how Curtis ended up here. <laughs> but you get guys in the industry that, are, you know, I don't want to get off the tools, it, but they need to get off the tools eventually. Everyone's goals are different. Yeah. My dad, he's 57, still taping. Here we're running this incredible business with an incredible team. It's a passive business. Sometimes I feel, um, I don't know what the words I'm looking for, but I feel bad for my dad. 57 years old, going on 58, and he's still working six days a week, barely takes a vacation. That was his goal. That's all he knew, you know, work seven days a week and save your money. Yeah, our dads are very similar in that way, and, but that's how they were raised. That's what they know, and that's what they're used to it's hard to teach like no you should take a step back I remember being 10 12 and you know building a deck or two or 10 with my dad and and being like dad why don't you hire somebody because you have us on Saturday and that's it and we get a lot done on Saturday but you're by yourself swinging the hammer slinging the lumber why don't you hire somebody and he, he couldn't let go of control because he cared so much about the quality he said I he said, was he not can, thinking that he can find someone that would deliver the same quality? Was that the hurdle? Easier said than done. Yeah. Definitely yeah. the hurdle. He yeah. cared. He said, it's, I know how to do it. I know my finished product. He said, it's just easier if I just do it myself instead of delegating. But, and that's, it's a mindset change. But we've gone through this, man. I've gone through it this year. I went through it last year. I, every trade person I know goes through it all the time. I found somebody, I hired them and then they left for a dollar or they left for whatever reason. They, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too heavy. It's too hot. Yeah, it's the too cold. The number one thing I like to ask is what is your 10 year plan? What are your goals? What are you doing for personal development? What are your values? Extremely important questions because I need to ensure that all those answers align 
align with my goals, with the company's goals, with Curtis's values and goals as well, and the team that we've created. Everything has to revolve around our core values. You really think these contractors out there who are not even doing their paperwork until the end of the month have a 10-year plan? I'm not trying to downplay them. I'm just, I agree with you 100%. They should, I've told people, even during the beginning of COVID, I said to everybody, you know what? Take an opportunity to take a month off. Take yeah. a month off and repurpose your building business. Just look at what's not working and what should be working and reevaluate your things. And I think a lot of people did. I get it. When, you know, when in my 20s, when I was slinging drywall, I uh, had my head down. I had bills to pay. That was my goal. Make sure my kids could eat. And there was uh, beer in the fridge. I finally started to realize what was more important. That was leaving a legacy for my kids. Give you a glimpse into what it was like being self-employed for me. Probably six months before Norbert and I started chatting, I was like... I definitely was not thinking about my 10-year goal. It was more of like, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow, or next week. As I started to think more about the year plan, I was like, okay, I'm getting more projects and I need some help. Well, no one wants to work. Made some relationships with other trades and solid people that I trust around me, but they were all busy too. So what was I left with? I can't work more hours in the day, so I'll just keep working. And that was it. I wasn't upset about it. I was just like, okay, this is my reality. And how on earth, had I stayed there, I don't know how I would have gotten out of that mindset because I didn't know any better. I got lucky. Let me ask you guys, what's more nerve wracking or challenging as a tradesperson working up the ranks? To take that leap from a steady stream of income from working for somebody as, as you just got into the business and going on your own and start your own business or be in your own business and actually come to, like you just mentioned, Norbert, the reality of having a 10 year plan and bringing in all the ideal people, which is more daunting to that tradesperson? I like That's to ask the tough question. questions. Eh? That is a good, <laughs> good question. And I would suggest if you have, you know, you have a good job, good income, stick it out. You love it. You enjoy it. That's good. But that doesn't stop you from having a side hustle. So again, back to my 20s, I, my side hustle was real estate investing. At night, I was converting duplexes, doing flips. But during the day, again, back to drywalling, taping, running my drywall company. Definitely stick to that nine to five grind and start that side hustle. It was refreshing. I had uh, Julia here, the brick chick, a few weeks back. And I always asked the 12 questions. And one of them was, uh, the question is, uh, what would you be doing if you're not a bricklayer? And she said, writing. And I was like, that's amazing. That's refreshing to hear that. And I think that every tradesperson out there should have a side hustle. They should, If they don't have one, you should already be thinking, okay, listen, I think you're good at more than one thing, everybody. So you should have something else that you're looking at. Like your dad, like, you know, we all want to do this for a certain amount of time, but we want to pass on the knowledge and then do something else. We want to get to another, another peak, right? Yeah, my, my dad did an amazing job passing on the knowledge and I learned from his mistakes. And that's why I am a part of a lair, having this opportunity, uh, building that wealth um, while having my full time job allowed me again, third at 30 years old, I retired the drywall company and said, OK, what's next? And that to um, your friend who wanted to be a writer that side hustle will give you the opportunity in life to sit back and say, okay, now I've got time to write yeah. something I love, something I'm passionate about. 
This is my strength. That's living your best life to the fullest, in my opinion, doing what you love to do and what you're passionate about. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not passionate about project management. I'm passionate about business development, building businesses and investing. And our passions evolve. Absolutely. So, I mean, Absolutely. what you were passionate in your 20s and you want to build this business and yeah. build. OK, I built my first house. I built my second house. I got an established business. By the time you're 30s, you're like, my passion's elsewhere. Maybe yeah. I want to share this knowledge. Maybe I want to be a teacher. Yeah. You know, so it always evolves. Evolution is it's ongoing and I love it. To go back to your question, Manny, what would be more daunting moving into being a business owner or getting out of being a business owner? Yeah, I think it's different for every person and your personality. And then like the elephant in the room in this whole time is doing what makes you happy. If what you want to do is being on the tools, then be on the tools. You don't need to step back. If being an employee isn't your thing and you, you're working that side hustle, then take the leap of faith and go for it. If you're tired of being wearing all the hats, doing the work, doing the quotes, doing the cleanup, and then doing the paperwork, then maybe it's better for you and your life and your family to let it all go and jump into you know, being an employee. There's bonuses to both, and I can't personally say one's better than the other. I know one's better for me and for my family and the lifestyle that we want, and that's exactly where I am. But that doesn't mean that that's what's best for everybody. Like Norbert, I, I love that you keep on saying that. It's just you got to find what you're looking for, for what's best for your life. Live your best life, right? I think a lot of people, no pun intended, I mean, Ferris Bueller, life is what's going on when you just pass it right by, right? That's the truth of it. Everyone's so stuck on their work hours like we work monday to friday saturdays we do the paperwork on sundays all of a sudden we start all over again it's monday like ever since this cold it started it's been a blur i don't even know what day of the week it is you just go you just go 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 because nobody is scheduled a vacation nobody has gone away so you haven't had that look for something to happen kind of in the future thing where i've got a scheduled trip here i got a schedule that it's been go 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 but i want i'm hoping that a lot of the tradespeople out there are taking the time with their family to say, you know what, phone's off, social's off. I'm hanging out with the kids. I'm hanging out with the significant other. I think that's really, really valuable stuff. Yeah, you have to live in the moment. You only live one life, live it to the fullest, live your best life. As my generation would say, YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> and I, I think it's, you know, I'm super grateful to be in this position, in this seat, having this conversation with you guys. It's my duty to pass that wealth on to my teammates like Curtis, giving him the opportunity like Blair gave me the opportunity. Yes, he's the franchisor, but I'm the franchisee and I was handed so many opportunities. Opportunity and wealth is gonna transition to guys like Curtis and it already is in many other franchises. You see GC's laborers going all the way up to multi-franchise owners. It's really? an amazing opportunity. So you're getting all kinds of tradespeople that are getting into the game and they're, they're checking it out and they're interested in it. Absolutely. And there's, I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of guidance from Alaire, like a lot of guidance. Yeah. They're huge. always wondering what's going on. Oh, there's yeah. huge layers of accountability. And there's layers of accountability from corporate, layers of accountability from our RP. And then my wife is our integrator. And shout out to Summer, my wife. Um, she's amazing. She's the best. She is. <laughs> uh, she holds the project managers and ops managers accountable as well. Multiple layers of accountability. I love it. What's her title there? Integrator, office manager. So she makes sure, like, she does, we got a lot of paperwork, but she makes sure, like, 
we're up to date. Everything is current. We're good. We're not falling into the weeds and getting way behind on our paperwork and so much more, so much more. Norbert said she keeps us accountable. There's accounting. And then when we get invoices from trades, she's the one that makes sure that our trades are taken care of. And it's so valuable. We'd be lost without her. Yeah. And then the layers from head office is uh, we have monthly audits. So our franchise gets audited. We get a score. We try to keep that above 74, unless otherwise it's a failure. <laughs> We've um, never seen a failure. What, what are they? They're looking over the whole thing? Yes. Just how you're running every Everything. project? By construction binders, project planning binders, reviews. It's just that other layer of accountability to ensure that we're running a successful business. And then I guess, how are people mostly hearing about, like the clients themselves, how are they mostly hearing about a layer? That's a good question. There's a couple of different areas, word of mouth, our trades, and a lot of marketing. Okay. We do quite a bit of marketing. So a quick Google search of the best construction company in Simcoe County. Yeah, we pop up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and very humble. <laughs> That's not my best trade. <laughs> You outsourced that one? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, that's good to hear, man. That's great to hear. So I I actually, I'm just, I know I joked about the F1, right? So everyone's got the the Fords or what's going on there? No, there's Chevys, Dodge, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) What's with the hatred towards Dodge? I don't understand that, man. I'll never get it. I'm not a pickup truck guy. I got a van, but I don't get the hatred towards Dodge. I think it's a convenience. I call my Ford guy and he has a truck delivered to me. It's got to be black. It's part of the brand guidelines. I don't know. I love Ford. And are you driving? No. Yeah, I drive a Ford too. A Ford. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't like airbags in my back suspension. It's too cushy. You got to have a work truck. (laughs) You got to have a truck for a truck's sake. Or either that or a Dodge is for a real project manager that doesn't do any work. (laughs) (laughs) You were on the tools at one time, right? Yeah. Running your own business. And you know what? I still am a little bit. Yeah. And it's so much fun to get in, spend the day with the guys and girls working on site. And it keeps, keeps the skills up. And because I do, I did it for quite a while i enjoyed it you can't just throw that away and like just say goodbye to all those skills no it's like riding a bike man you just it'll get back right into it that's all exactly tools are always in my truck what kind of tools Oh, Milwaukee. You're a Milwaukee a guy? I'm a softie for Milwaukee. Really? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't yeah. think that, really. Eh? So everything's everything's red? Everything's red. Pack out to the to everything? The whole back of the bed is all full of pack? Even, even down to my monolith tile cutter. There's red in that Oh, thing. wow. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I sold all my tools. <laughs> you got rid of all yours? All the tools are gone. So now I'm rebuying them because we're doing renovations at my cottage, at my personal residence. and, and The or, hustle never stops. Or I borrow it from Curtis and he never gets it back. I don't want them back. No, the hustle never stops. Working on my house too, and it's fun. Like we started in this industry, working on the tools, and and that's a fundamental of it. You know, it's kind of funny, Norbert, that you got rid of the tools, and I I probably be the same way as you, where I couldn't ask them for their tools. I'd have to go buy my own tools because I would feel awkward asking them for their tools for me <laughs> to do something. Apparently, I have no shame. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? It's uh, I don't want to get too serious here, but I had to shift my environment. If I wanted to become a business owner, an entrepreneur, I had to get rid of my tools. Otherwise, I I was telling myself I have to go back to the tools. Two years in, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta feed my family. I gotta do everything hands on. I sold all my tools, shifted my environment, changed my identity to a business owner. I have no shame. I'll ask Curtis for a drill. 
The Hungarian stallion has no shame. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> but it's good that you got that mindset where you told yourself that this is a business. It's really important that it's not just a construction business, that this is a business. And you have to put yourself in that mindset. You're starting to make me realize I talk to myself a little too no, often. No, 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 not at all. Not at all, man. We Lots of people out there should be doing the yeah. same thing, if not more. It's really important to look at it that way. I, I tell you, they have blinders. A lot of tradespeople out there have blinders and they're just fixated on the task at hand. Instead of looking down the road. We'll go back to traction and having the right people in the right seat. It's doing that so that you have a well-oiled machine, that you have the right people in the right seat. But each seat, the person in that seat, that's where they want to be. I have no intentions on stepping back and being in a, a building businesses and things like that. I have every intention on getting my heads in the weeds and operating, building new relationships and things like that. But that's my seat. And the person, Allison, that's in our sales seat, she loves it. That's where she wants to be, and she's so good at it. If we'll go back, the people, the guys, the girls that want to be on the tools, that might just be the right seat for them. It's just a matter of trying to figure it out. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore with you. I remember being in that seat, and I always saw the paychecks comes in. But back to the whole goals, like... Are we trying to get rich or are we trying to build wealth in life, right? Because wealth is measured on how much time you have available in life, available to give back to the things you love to do. Where rich is, it's calculated by how much money you have in your bank account. Chris Stapleton did a great song on it called Millionaire. <laughs> Should have started this off with that. <laughs> Should have. <laughs> well, guys, this has been a good talk, man. So awesome. I just want to give out the creds again. So discoveralair.com is yep. one. And that's the main one. That's the corporate one, right? So you can get a lot more information about it. And then you guys, it's alairspringwater.ca. And then it's norbert.lengyel at alairhomes.com. And it's curtis.stein at alairhomes.com. On Facebook, it's alairspringwater. And on Instagram, it's alair.homes.springwater. Nailed it. Thanks so much, guys. I rehearsed it a few times, man. <laughs> uh, ready for the 12 questions of construction here? Rock and roll. Rock and roll. You guys good for that? Okay, let's go. What is your favorite construction word? Get her done. <laughs> Three syllables. <laughs> favorite construction word? Success. <laughs> no, I don't know. Norbert? Blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, yeah, that's inspection passed. <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? That's good enough. Mm, it's been heard a few times. Yeah, it's time to sand this house. <laughs> <laughs> I hated sanding, man. Shout out to the tapers out there. That's the one part of taping, man. Huh? It's you harsh. Know what? It, it, most tapers will say it's the best part, and it is. It's the final product. Yeah, but that's the one thing that I just don't see the passion because the dust is all covering my eyes right now. (laughs) (laughs) My eyes are all red (laughs) from all the dust. What turns you on in construction, guys? When a plan comes together and you start to see your the work and the planning come into fruition. Every stage is so rewarding in its own different way. I was so close to say the theme song to A Team, eh? When you said that. (laughs) So close. I think um, seeing the team come together as we hire, as we grow, seeing those right people fall into place. You know, I've never been happier in this industry. What turns you off in construction? Lazy people. Mm. I'm going to say first thing that came to my mind is um, contractors that smoke on the site. Smoke, weed, 
specifically. They got no place on our site. I haven't come across it yet. I don't want to come across it because I'll have to have two words with you, right? And those are going to be get out. Yeah. And any kind of compliance, I guess. We can can sum that up. Hard hats. We have struggles with hard hats. Guys are having a hard time keeping the hard hats on? Every one of my project managers. They have a Milwaukee battery power staple gun for that, eh? (laughs) You know that? They do. (laughs) Even I have that tool. It's the only Milwaukee one I have. What is your favorite curse word or phrase? You guys don't have to say it. We've been keeping it clean. Unless you guys have it, and I can bleep it out. Fuck. It comes <laughs> straight to my mind. Yeah, it's, I, I have a dirty mouth. I come straight from the trades. Subcontractor, right? So I've been working it's on cleaning it up. It's funny how everybody blames the trades for their dirty mouth. I, mean, I blame like, it myself, not I, the trades. I, I, I don't know if it's the trades. <laughs> Curtis? <laughs> It's definitely not just the trades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite phrase would be, oh, that was a good day. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. What is your favorite car, truck, or bike, or vehicle? No, F-150. Come on. That's your, out of all the cars in the world. Yeah. You told Simple. me it was a Mustang GT350. Simple. I thought yeah, we Mustang had something GT350. in common here. I'm going to have to be the owner to get one of those in my driveway. Mm. Yeah, I'm an F-150 guy, um, GT350 Mustang, Shelby Mustang, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to the new Ford Lightning coming out. No, 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 Cybertruck? Yeah. No, not one of the Way cool kids? Way too futuristic for me, man. Not one of the cool kids on Instagram that all want a Cybertruck? <laughs> a truck that I will say again will fail on a job site over and over and over. Did that truck that will not succeed. <sighs> A truck will not be successful. Give me a 90s power stroke and I'm good. That's it. What is your least favorite, guys? Truck, car, bike, vehicle. I'm going to say Chevy. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Yeah, Chevy. Really? Anything Chevy or just a Chevy truck? Just the truck. Chevy. Oh, wow. That's Nissan trucks for me. Oh, those ugly things, huh? I've heard bad things. (laughs) Uh, What construction sound or noise do you guys love? The sound of a sanding pole. <laughs> <laughs> An air nailer. Brad nailer. Yeah. Nothing like that. I still like it, man. But all the cool kids are all battery now. Yeah. It's heavier. Yeah. You don't get the punch. I know. You don't. What construction sound or noise do you guys hate? Sanding. <laughs> Drywall sanding. <laughs> There's a lot of plaster uh, dislike here. The sound of a battery air nailer. <laughs> yeah. A tum- that Sing. kind of... Yeah, it's just a weird sound. Yeah. Uh, what profession, other than your own, would you guys like to attempt? Oh, a rally car racer. Mm. A firefighter. Nice. Yeah, he's uh, a respectable one. What profession would you guys never like to do? Politician. I was thinking the exact same thing. Politician. Why? They're so great. I wouldn't want to be in their seats right now. <laughs> They're amazing. They never <laughs> lie. Uh, last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates, gentlemen? To be serious or not to be serious? <laughs> I think I'd like them to say, like, good job. You treated people with respect and with fairness and honesty. Every thorn has its rose. Every night has its dawn. <laughs> Just like every night sings its sad, sad song. 
gets me in the feels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, okay, I can picture that. I can totally picture that. Gentlemen, thank you very much, man, for a great conversation. I really awesome. appreciate you guys coming down on the show and uh, coming at the show, coming on the show, whatever it is, and sharing so much about it, man. I love the passion. I love the, the focus. I love that you guys are asking these tradespeople to, to think a little larger, think a little different which is really important. Awesome. Yeah. I really Thanks, appreciate Manny. it. Yeah. Thanks for Thanks, having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. One more time, I'm going to just uh, discover Alaire.com is the one, and then AlaireSpringWater.ca, Norbert.L-E-N-G-Y-E-L at AlaireHomes.com, and then Curtis.Stein at AlaireHomes.com. Facebook is AlaireSpringWater, and Instagram is AlaireHomes.SpringWater. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Take Thank care. Thank you.